Welcome to Conscious Conversations, where we aim to inspire deep and meaningful interactions that grow into a community of practice that is committed to healing, resilience, and expansion. We'll be having conversations with spiritual teachers, impact leaders, plant medicine, and holistic health practitioners about spirituality and personal leadership tools and resources and how these can help communities cultivate more harmonious and purposeful lives. I am Mabato Munzi. Join me as we laugh, cry and ponder the meaning of life, the universe and your role in it. In this conversation, we speak to Shanely van Staden. Shanely is a spiritual guide and entrepreneur based in Centurion, Pretoria. Through her practice, she offers holistic plant and fungi medicines that assist and guide people on their journey to finding their own way back to wholeness, inner purpose and fulfillment. She discovered these ancient medicines and other ancient healing modalities through her own journey back to wholeness. Good morning, Shanely. Good morning, my boss. Thank you very much for having me here. Thank you for being here with us. Please tell us about yourself. Okay, well, that's always a difficult question. <laughs> I grew up in Pretoria, Centurion, as well. Um, I've stayed there most of my life, traveled around a little bit. Um, I was quite a sensitive child, um, had lots of food allergies and um, sensitivities to, to food and pollen and all sorts of things like that. So I was very, very sensitive as a child. I couldn't have preservatives and colorants and you know, all the, the stuff that uh, kids eat at parties. My mm. mom used to pack my own little uh, food bag when I went to a party. Um, and as I grew up, there was obviously certain things that they didn't really have the technology to test for yet. So I had a lot of difficulty concentrating um, and focusing on studies and that kind of thing. Even though I didn't do too badly at school, um, it was always a bit of a struggle. Um, and eventually, you know, the doctors tell you, you outgrow these uh, allergies, which I never did, even though I thought I did. Um, so my my uh, 20s, I had quite started developing quite severe depression and anxiety. And I was very unmotivated, picked up a lot of weight and really, really just battled with myself uh, on a day to day basis. Till eventually I uh, took uh, the next step and uh, let go of all the pharmaceutical medications and alcohol. And uh, I did this through um, practicing meditation, working with plant medicines, and one of the other fundamentals was nutrition. So really looking at those three areas and uh, deep diving. Uh, and uh, I started uh, losing a lot of weight. I've lost about 30 kilograms. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> And also got to a place of serenity within myself, which I never thought was possible. Um, a whole new world opened up to me and I could really start digging into my personal talents and developing them and um, allowing myself to be the sensitive person that I am and more seeing it as a strength than uh, something that, that is weakens me mm. or that's a super challenge. Um, so... Yes, that's pretty much my, my little story um, around mindfulness. And would you say that is when your spiritual journey started or you discovering 
your spiritual side? Definitely, definitely. Um, it was through my spirituality that there was an inner strength that developed. You know, you can have many techniques, but that inner strength comes through your relationship with the creator, with the divine, uh, and truly recognizing who you are, where you come from, um, without having to put a label on this, the religion or the spirituality or the term. You know, we all actually cut from the same cloth. And um, that gave me so much freedom, so much strength and courage uh, to move forward. Uh, so yes, definitely spirituality blossomed through there. I've always been a little bit spiritual, even from childhood. In my teens, I started really connecting with my church uh, on a very spiritual level, more than just the, the indoctrination of um, the modality or the, the process. And um, yes, deepening my spirituality definitely started flowering in my 20s. And it's just deepened since then. And what would you say particularly triggered your interest in mindfulness? Um, you mentioned that you started meditating. I know with meditating comes a lot of presence. You know, so would you say because of your meditation practice, you were then introduced to being a bit more mindful? Definitely. Okay, so I had a big shift uh, at the age of 28, 29, where I was weaning myself off of my pharmaceutical cocktails, and uh, I was diagnosed bipolar at that point, and um, I just realized that there's no future for me in that way going forward. So a beautiful friend of mine that's still in my life today uh, mentioned to me the Vipassana meditation uh, retreat. And from the moment I heard that, it, there was almost like a little spark within me saying, that's where you need to go. And I didn't want to go there while still being under the influence of so many medications. So I actually worked, it took me almost two years to get to the point to actually attend a retreat. So I worked towards that uh, that space to get 10 days off of work. In the first place, is not always the easiest thing. Mm. And it's not just off from work, it's literally kind of being off the planet because you don't even have uh, a contact. You can't be contacted uh, during that time. Mm. So that was a big thing for me. Uh, I did start weaning myself off uh, of the medications through my doctor. And um, kind of the week before, I came off my last couple of things. And I had such an incredible experience. It was very, very tough. But um, it was night and day for me. The anxiety disappeared. The depression disappeared. And from that point, it's never, ever been to that extent or that intensity that it was before. Uh, so a tremendous process. Um, and I still use it till today. It's incorporated as part of my, my journey. So you speak about uh, you being diagnosed um, with bipolar. How did that look like for for you? So what were some of the challenging experiences um, for you that kind of created the discomfort in your life and and directed you towards wanting to get better? Because oftentimes people get stuck, you know, in that space. So how did your life look like during that process and what actually 
What was the breaking point for you? Well, first of all, the breaking point was suffering. <laughs> the intensity of the suffering was just too much. So at that point, uh, I was already quite overweight and uh, I was feeling terribly sluggish. I was not motivated to uh, follow any of my dreams that I used to have. I was physically ill um, often, very, very often on medications for illness, uh, reflux. I was in hospital a couple of times for um, reflux, which was very, very intense. I couldn't even sleep on my on my back for probably two or three years. And uh, always very, very acidic. And, um, you know, with that, there's just, you know, acid. Acid in the body was very, very uh, intense for me. And um, at that point, I was just like, there's no... There's no more, you know, I can't continue on this, this route. Uh, and my husband at the time, he, he did a journey or he went to the Amazon, uh, and did a, a medicine work retreat, a plant medicine work. And, uh, when he came back from there, or well, basically in that time, I took that time to start weaning myself off because I had some quiet time and I just kind of went for it. Just kind of my gap. I took the gap and uh, I just started weaning off of all my medications and then eventually got myself ready to go to the Vipassana. Mm. And so after your experience at Vipassana, you you then started integrating the, the technique of, of being present, um, the mindfulness, right, in, in your life. What did that look like and what is mindfulness really um in the practical sense okay so it's uh it's a little bit tricky to explain because uh when you're practicing it when you've got the experience of it it opens up new doors so the key would be in the experience uh another description of uh the word mindfulness could be awareness and presence so bringing you back to point zero in your in your life not jumping from past and future but being present with where you're at, accepting it, and almost reclaiming your strength from there. There's a magicalness that happens because there's a spaciousness that's created, and that's a space, a very safe space for you to unravel all of these uh, knots that you it's almost like your brain gets into knots, and you can't think anymore, and it's just too much thinking, and it never works out the way you think it should, and you kind of this tension and with the spaciousness that comes with practicing a mindfulness technique or practice, there's this beautiful space that opens up where everything almost just defrags. So if you know to, uh, computer terminology, to defragment your mind or to reset it or re restore or to recalibrate, I like to use the rewords there because it's a very descriptive. It's a magic that happens in the silence and, um, that's pretty much my understanding of mindfulness in a, in a very practical way. Mm. You, you mention living in the past or in the future. You know, these are often areas of life that give us anxiety where we anticipate what is going to happen based on past experiences, which are often riddled with disappointment, with hurt, um, what often looks like betrayal and the anxiety of not knowing what lies ahead. I don't think that a lot of the time people are generally aware 
that they are living between these two times, these two periods. Um, you know, how, how do you think people can identify that? Um, you know, because I have found through my experiences that the past is usually attached to traumas that we have experienced. So even when we respond in the present situation, we, we, we use the past triggers from the past to try and address things, you know, right now. So how, how do we balance that? <coughs> okay. That's a very, very good question. So, the past, so when we are kind of worried about the past or we kind of stuck in the past, let's call it stuck in the past, uh, we tend to have depressive symptoms. And I like to use a symptom because we never actually our symptom, which is something mindfulness teaches us to kind of put some separation between us, between ourselves and whatever situation we are experiencing. Now, if we are experiencing a form of depression, it's usually because we're stuck in the past. We've got unresolved um, situations or something that we haven't forgiven or somebody's done something to us. You know, so there's a bit of blaming, there's guilt, there's shame. And that's usually sitting in our depress- uh, depression or depressive symptoms. Um, and that's when we kind of stuck in the past and we can't move forward because we've got this heaviness holding us back. Now, people that experience a lot of anxiety are people that are very future orientated. So they're kind of following that to-do list and worrying about the future. So worrying would be more associated with the future and getting done what you need to get done or not feeling like you doing what you need to do. So you, you kind of have this anxiety around that. Um, and that can be something that, that drives you. If you are experiencing it in a balanced and positive way, that anxiety can actually push you forward, but that's more like an excitement. So when you convert it, it becomes more an excitement. You can access that energy. However, people that are very stuck with anxiety, um, very worried about the future. And as we all know, stress and anxiety go hand in hand. And that stress on the body is like a very toxic thing. And so much of our dis-ease in our daily life comes from that anxiety or that constant anxiety without switching off, without relaxing. I love the fact that you use the word dis-ease because one can really read it as disease. And that's when illness really comes in, right? When we have all those unresolved um, issues or emotions blocked in our subconscious, um, they occupy space, energy on our bodies, but in an unproductive way. And that manifests in lack of presence in our current relationships. So we're never really present, um, in, in the things that we, that we do in the experiences that we share, whether it is with colleagues, um, family and, and so on, because we are constantly using the past as a as a frame of of reference um what can you say around that yes so that's kind of associated to our past traumas now trauma is there's varying degrees of trauma we uh, some people go have uh, serious accidents or injuries 
and they um, might battle to adapt back into a functional lifestyle. Um, some people have a, a disease or disease, cancers and um, uh, diabetes, heart disease, those kinds of things. Um, and then you've also got, um, you know, all, all these different kinds of disease, so emotional disease, um, this is mood fluctuations. So all of those things are uh, very much tied into our previous or past experiences. Um, so if we if we're not resolving our emotions and we're not moving forward and not flowing with our emotions, then when we get to a new situation in our life, we're acting from these old patterns, from these old information. Um, and when we do that, we are perpetuating the past. We just keep perpetuating the past. Um, I like, uh, there's a kind of a quote by Albert Einstein. He says that, um, it's something along these lines, uh, that you cannot solve your problems with the same thinking that created them. So when we stay in a certain mindset and we're always practicing that mindset when we get into a certain situation, to some degree the results will always be the same. Now, where mindfulness comes in is just to bring you back to ground zero, put a little bit of space between you and your situation, and um, reassess, uh, see how somebody else would do it. Um, and that's where you can start inquiring uh, within yourself, uh, how can I do this differently? What would be a more positive way to uh, act from this point? But that is the difference between acting and reacting or responding and reacting. So when you are responding to something, you are more conscious, you're taking a conscious step forward, and you are making a conscious choice for a positive outcome, and that would be positive for all parties involved. And um, then you can compromise and you can accommodate the situation. But if you're just reacting from previous traumas, you literally bring those things back in your life, whether they are there or not. So you maybe you're starting a, a new life and you or a new partner in your life and they do something and it triggers you and you react the way you used to react, then you are bringing that past or that experience of a past relationship into your new relationship as quickly as that. And this is also where mindfulness is so powerful. It just creates that bit of space for you to see yourself to not mirror back the old things. Um, so it starts unraveling those old patterns. So it's a, it's a kind of a process of unfolding. Um, yeah, so I think that's what I can say about that. You know, the practice of, of mindfulness, it can easily throw one off balance in a sense that when you practice mindfulness, you kind of stop looking for solutions outside of yourself right? Having gone to Vipassana myself and experiencing the shift in practicing mindfulness or that practicing mindfulness can really give one. I also realized that being mindful gives us an opportunity to stop the blame. So for a second before you react to, um, to a situation, you kind of have to stop and ask yourself, where is my response coming from? So is the response coming from past experiences that you are then using to 
you know, make up a story around the current situation? Or is it really the, the true nature of what is going on? Um, that is what I found. And that is not necessarily easy because it means you take responsibility for yourself and for the situation and, and how you respond in the situation and why most importantly, you are responding in that particular way. Because oftentimes, like you said, our responses to situations or rather our reactions to situations are based on our past trauma, on our past experiences. So it becomes a reaction by default. And now the mindfulness or practicing mindfulness allows you to pause and really look at why you feel the way you feel, isn't it? Definitely. So I love the word response and responsibility. Mm. Uh, so responsibility, if you break it up, uh, or first of all, responsibility is when you take responsibility for your own actions, your own thoughts, and um, your own future and your own life. You're taking that responsibility to unravel and to grow and to learn and to unlearn and to relearn. Uh, and when you take that responsibility, your responses start changing because your, it's your ability to respond, response ability. And, um, you can actually break the word up like that. And when you take that responsibility, then no longer are you, uh, waiting for somebody else to bring you the solution. You are taking that action by yourself. And when you do that, it's like the whole world stands with you and helps you along the way and opens doors for you. And uh, things just start flowing because you are taking that responsibility to mold your own emotional state, your own mental state to that which is more suitable for you, which in, in the greater scheme of things usually is best for the whole world, best for your um, home environment your colleagues that you work with, and um, it's just best for your whole environment. Mm. I find that um, with practicing mindfulness, we also stop blaming others. So what other people say or do um, no longer has such a great effect on our emotional state um, because through the practice of mindfulness, you then realize that everyone is on their own journey. And a lot of the time, how people respond to things or how they feel has nothing to do with you. Whereas for people who are not necessarily aware or mindful, we can easily get triggered, you know, and it, it might not even be about the actual situation or what the person is saying, but your association with specific words, you know, a, a particular um, situation. Yes. Uh, okay. So along with mindfulness also comes, so mindfulness is one practice. However, with along with mindfulness comes knowledge. So the more you practice mindfulness and the more you start observing, it's almost like you need some fundamental tools to work with as well. Uh, I love the book, uh, The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. And in that book, they talk about the, the basically the four principles, uh, or agreements that if you live by these principles, then you are much more free, much more open, 
much more creative um, and just a, a beautiful, happy person kind of thing. Um, so with that said, the one of the one of the agreements in there is not to take anything personally. And uh, it's such a short little powerful book and it's one of my fundamentals that I still use every single day because I've I, I you know there's always room for improvement. Now, when you don't take things personally, this is on more than one level because you're not taking personally what somebody else is doing, which means you will not get triggered. Now, this is not an, an apathy, but it's actually just really observing. They might be acting out because of their previous traumas. Now it's triggering me to act in a certain way, and then it just kind of bounces, it plays tennis. Uh, it just bounces from the one person to the next. And uh, when you are not taking it personally, then it actually can't, you can't react. You, you will almost more respond with a loving, kind gesture and asking the person, how can I help you now? Or how can I support you? Or, or just listen, just listening really, really helps people to unravel as well. Uh, and, um, and by that unraveling, I mean releasing that which they are battling with. Um, and when we don't take it personally, we don't, we give them that space. We give them a mindful space to really, uh, kind of express themselves. And, um, when we don't take things personally, we're also not taking ourselves personally because the trigger can also come from within, from our own thoughts. And, uh, that could get us into a tizzy. So when you are not taking your own thoughts personally, uh, you're also putting a bit of space between them. And if it's something that doesn't resonate with you, that doesn't feel like this is the kind of energy that you want to bring into your life or that you want to create, then you are creating that space between it and you can decide to be, to respond differently. That's your responsibility then to respond differently in that moment. Then you've got a choice. Where previously you don't have a choice. you just kind of in that tumble dryer and it just takes you. You're just kind of falling around and you're completely consumed by that uh, tumultuous moment that's overtaken you. Mm, so essentially, it would be that pause, right, in between life that one gives themselves to respond in a way that represents our truest selves. Right. The pauses in between when one is taking a moment to reflect on how they want to respond is essentially what mindfulness is. When one's, when, when one stops to think about how they want to respond and who they want to be in that moment. Now, a lot of spiritual teachers have often referred to mindfulness as a tool to help alleviate suffering. Would you agree with this? Yes. So it's very, very interesting how this works. And this is kind of the magical component uh, that mindfulness brings or a mindfulness practice can bring into your life. That silence is really a space where things reconnect or restore. When we are in that silence, we come closer to our true nature. That's also why spiritual teachers talk about the, the mindfulness so much and, and encourage people to be in that space. Because there's a really a natural, beautiful, magical thing that happens in that space where you just start connecting to your essence 
and your essence is the same essence as your creator. And when you start connecting to that, then you want to start doing good. It's like your your heart starts opening up. You've got this, uh, you start developing compassion. You start seeing people for who they truly are. They are creations of the creator, fellow humans on the planet with you, all seeking the same thing, all wanting to be whole and worthy, loved and nurtured, part of a community, um, grow and learn. And you, we lose touch of those things in the, the chaos of life. And when we are in that silence, that naturally these values, these things that are truly important to us, they kind of come to the surface and we can really decide for ourselves, yes, this works for me. Or no, this doesn't work for me. Like my parents used to act in this way or that way. And that actually didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. But now instead of having almost a, an unforgiveness or a hardness or an anger towards them, say thank you. Thank you for showing me how not to do it and how I don't want to do it or something that doesn't resonate with me. So in that silence is where we develop and grow our truth. And um, that is always beautiful and it's always aligned with the greater whole and bringing peace and harmony to ourselves and our environment. I love the fact that you, you, you bring truth to it because in that silence, that is where we have an opportunity to ask ourselves, why am I responding this way? Isn't it? And that's where I think if one is honest enough with themselves, you then get to see how life has altered who you are. Um, you know, in, in your truest essence? Well, definitely. Uh, for me, it's really been a process of unraveling and unfolding. And um, every time I think I've dealt with something, then it's almost like I get to another layer of it and it just deepens the process. And every time I go through these uh, kind of rough patches where I'm uh, wrestling with it and um, just kind of going back into the silence, going back into the silence. Really, it's like uh, new, new pathways open up and new doors open up and new possibilities open up. Uh, and the key is in the trauma, you know, so it's, it's very, uh, kind of contradicting, but the key is in the trauma. The key is uh, healing the wounds. Mm. Because mindfulness generally allows us to to tap into ourselves so to 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 stay tuned in with why we do things and not so much as projecting um our issues or unresolved things onto other people i think it it also allows us to be a bit more compassionate in certain ways um and to be more aware of what we consume um, to be more aware of how we, how we live. I've seen a lot of spiritual teachers talking about how, um, practicing mindfulness can help us lead more healthier lives. Um, you know, and, and just being more compassionate. What are your thoughts around this? For me, mindfulness has been a purification mechanism or a detoxification mechanism. And uh, it goes on all levels because if you clear out your mental clutter and your emotional clutter, all that clutter 
almost gets reconverted back into pure potential energy. And uh, it's to explain or to give you an analogy is when you're driving your car, once a year you take it for a service. Now, every time you've taken it for a service, it kind of feels like it's flowing a little bit better. The fuel consumption might be a little bit better. Everything just kind of feels smooth and flowy. Now, that is what you get from mindfulness. And when things are smooth and flowy, we tend to make really good decisions or better decisions. And each better decision that we make changes the whole trajectory trajectory of our life and our life path. We might think that certain things are important to us at a certain point in our life. And then as we progress in life, we're like, okay, but this doesn't really resonate with me anymore. And maybe that was a little bit of a toxic decision or path that I was on. And now by changing little decisions, we start cleaning out ourselves, cleaning out our futures or creating a paving a new path in our future. And uh, it's, yeah, so it detoxifies, it can really heal the body. Uh, because a lot of our aches and pains come from emotional uh, build-ups uh, and things we're not facing. And then the body starts reminding us, hey, there's some stuff here. Uh, please look at me. And then we just take another painkiller. So that's, you know, and if you stop doing that, if you're like, okay, I actually want to feel what I feel instead of numbing it. I want to feel my physical pain. I want to feel my headache because it's telling me something. I want to feel my depression. It's telling me something Uh, instead of shying away from it or resisting it because it's uncomfortable. Or escaping. Or escaping. Uh, We're definitely in an escapist culture. Um, Pretty much a lot of what we do is escapism or our our releases or, uh, yeah, escapes. Mm. Um, Whether it be television, whether it be food, whether it be... Uh, going out to partying in a in an unhealthy way. I'm not saying partying is wrong, because uh, it can be very very healthy to have fun and and just enjoy your peers and celebrate. So um, yes, but if you're overdoing anything and you're starting to get ill, you're starting to get aches and pains. You can f- you're feeling more sluggish. Your energy levels are dropping. There is that's usually a sign that there's something out of balance. And mindfulness really gives us that tool to say, okay, what's cooking here? And okay, maybe I need to go see this person or that person to give me some guidance here or there. Um, so mindfulness really is a guide for us, our inner guide. Um, we always actually know what to do. Even if it is to ask for help, mm. we will know what to do. And the moment that we don't know what to do, we don't have a plan that's really when life feels very tough, when we don't see a way out. When we become still, there's always a way out. And literally, if the thought pops up to call a friend, then that is exactly what you need to do in that moment. And that will be the the thing that solves your problem or that leads you to the next breadcrumb uh, and the next and the next to get to that solution uh, and a bigger picture. Mm. So you mentioned escape as... Um you know, one of the things that society does also well to not address things. And what immediately came to mind is consumerism as well. Um, we try to fill the voids with stuff. 
you know, and it's so evident in, in our communities, in our country particularly, where people just try and hoard everything, you know, because they're feeling so insecure, um, you know, and people often feel that they need to be having all these things or be dressing in a particular way in order to feel or in order to validate their sense of self-worth. Now, from what I have experienced through the practice of, of mindfulness and um, at Vipassana and some of the things that I've taken with me is, is how by using mindfulness, I can also actually determine why I want the things I want. What am I trying to prove mm. to who? You, you know, so it, it can be a really, really powerful, uh, tool in trying to, to lessen the pressure that we put ourselves in. Yes. So, uh, just touching on consumerism, uh, one of our human fundamental needs is to feel loved, to feel accepted, to feel part of a community, um, and, and have that support, uh, and encouragement of your peers and your family and your social environment. And with consumerism, they actually kind of playing on that, uh, vulnerability of ours or that need, that innate need that we do have as humans. Uh, and when we get so involved with it, we lose track of the essence. Um, and, uh, then we can't see ourselves. You can't feel good without doing something from the outside. Uh, when you are practicing mindfulness, there comes a point where you really shift to a space where you feel happy and content no matter what. No matter if your closest human to you, uh, uh, leaves the planet, you will still feel that love and contentness within yourself, even though you're going through an emotional imbalance or grieving. Uh, so yes, uh, consumerism is definitely something that's definitely quite evident, especially if we're putting value on something outside of us to make us feel a certain way and we become dependent on that thing. Now, obviously, there's, there's balance to everything. So any too, too much or excessiveness, uh, would be a problem. And we will see it in our, uh, in our energy, whether it be finances, whether it be relationships, whether it be our relationship with ourselves, um, our health, all of those things will show a compromise or will be compromised in some way. Uh, and, with awareness, the awareness that comes through mindfulness, we can actually start seeing these areas more clearly. And naturally, we start working on them. Because mindfulness is such a, an amazing tool that we can use to determine why we do things, right? That includes why we spend, where we spend, how we respond in our relationships, whether it is at work, whether it is um, in our family uh, situations because mindfulness challenges the ego. The ego always responds from a place of self-preservation. Do you think then that mindfulness could be a key in helping us to restore humanity? There's so much disconnect between people, you know, because we are always responding from wanting to protect ourselves based on our past traumas. Now, if we were all to use mindfulness in our lives or practice mindfulness, do you think 
communities would look different? I definitely think so. I see it happening all across the world. Uh, you see uh, different communities that are more integrated with their with their practices, their mindfulness practices. Naturally, in those communities, you see more cooperation, more compassion, more kindness, um, more concern for your your fellow human, more com- community orientated, and there's a, a sense of sharing. Now, we we as humans are extremely conditioned, um, very domesticated humans, and we each have our own unique conditioning set of conditioning. And this, 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 these conditionings start from our parents. This can come from which community you're in, which ethnic group you're in, which religious setting you come from, for background you come from, uh, just your, uh, the country you're in, the, the language you speak, uh, you know, all those things. There are so many layers. You can walk into a room and see a person and you'll have 10 thoughts about them before you've even met them. And that is literally just showing the conditioning that we all have because we're all trying to compare ourselves to others uh, to be good enough to fit in. Uh, that's the fundamental over there. Now, when we are practicing these uh, mindfulness practices, naturally the walls start coming down. These extreme conditionings start breaking down. And we start seeing our fellow human, no matter what color they are, no matter what race, no matter what language they speak, where they're coming from, we start seeing them as human, as a person with the same needs as me, with the same potential as me, uh, with their own unique talents. Uh, and when you see a person like that, even if it's the beggar on the street, you have a totally different set of thoughts towards them. You have a totally different energy towards them. And uh, that in itself shifts our reactions, shifts our actions to a very different, some, something that looks very, very different, uh, very inspiring, very encouraging, and just one good deed, uh, whether you do it uh, by telling somebody or not, whether somebody observes you doing a good deed, it inspires them, it changes them. Um, it's very, very impactful to smile wherever you go. Uh, it changes people. They, they hold the meaner changes. And that's how we break down those walls through true love, not, not, not the worldly love that we've been conditioned to, but, but true love, love and compassion for your fellow human. And in that, there is a respect that grows and develops. Uh, so it's, it's a development. It's something that you develop. Uh, and you can't tell somebody, to meditate, to get these things. Mm. It's something that has to happen for them naturally. And they, they only get these experiences or these insights through their own experience, through their own practice, not through somebody else's practice. You can tell somebody a thousand times over one thing or the other, but when they start practicing it themselves, that's when it starts breaking down. So uh, communities that are introducing more meditation uh, into their spaces, even prison environments that they've released uh, or experiments of meditation practices. Those communities, you can see a great impact uh, of inmates uh, feeling much better, being much more tolerant to it, towards each other. And, uh, you know, that's just a small example. Mm. So for someone listening to this conversation and saying, mm, I want to give this mindfulness 
thing, a chance, um, what are some of the key techniques uh, that someone could easily use at home? Okay, so first of all, mindfulness is can be a trigger word for many people. So if I say meditation or mindfulness or breathing exercises or anything around those terms, uh, people can get very triggered. And then immediately they have blocks that come up. Uh, they can't do it or they can't get themselves to sit still or this or that. Um, so there are different strokes for different folks. However, there is one fundamental aspect that ties every mindfulness um, practice together um, that they all have in common, and that is breath. Breath is key. When you can breathe and remember to breathe in any situation, you will always be able to get through it, and you can always change your mind when you are breathing and when you are, when you are breathing and become present in that moment. You can shift anything, and it really doesn't even have to take long. Um, so breath is key. No matter what you do, if you can breathe, you are being mindful uh, in a very simple way. Uh, and then a practice that you can use, it's the 555 breathing technique, which you breathe in for five seconds. So it's a long, slow, deep inhale. Then you hold the breath for five seconds. And then you also breathe out for five seconds. And you repeat this five times. So you could be driving in the car and have a moment with somebody cutting you off in traffic and you just want to breathe. And uh, it will send to you again and allow you to uh, release the residual adrenaline that you've just stimulated. Uh, or you might be standing in a queue and it's taking way longer and you just start breathing because you've still got a to-do list of a thousand things and you just start breathing and you calm yourself down and you tell yourself, I will get everything done at exactly the right time. You know, so you, you talk to yourself as well. But we do it through breath. Uh, breath will always anchor us back into the moment. Mm. I can imagine how in a heated moment or an exchange, how pausing for two seconds and saying to yourself, I don't have to respond to this now, how that can alter the outcome of that particular situation, isn't it? Just by that one breath or two breaths in and out and to say, can I not respond now? Yes, uh, you can literally stop a fight. You can stop a process, uh, a very practiced or trained process within yourself uh, from escalating, let's call it a drama. Mm. Um, to break the drama, you can actually break a drama by breathing. Uh, and people have different responses to it. Sometimes they literally get the, the rug pulled from out underneath them and they don't even know how to fight back. Because you, you're exactly. not fighting. Exactly. So they start acting like, I don't really know what's going on here. <laughs> <laughs> um, or you get some people that fight harder because they want that reaction. So, you know, you get different responses for being mindful in the moment. But as long as you can be mindful, even in hindsight, if you have a, a moment of clarity, like, you know, I could have done that differently. The more aware you become of something, the more you shift it. It happens automatically. So definitely uh, these techniques are quite easy. There's a couple more. Um, so people that are more like ADHD really battle to concentrate. Uh, when I mention mindfulness to them, they're like run the run for the hills kind of thing. So uh, for that, I definitely recommend Qigong. Qigong is for those uh, 
people that you know it engages you on so many levels and you can be all ages working with mindful or with with the qigong um so elderly people persons that have had injuries can work with uh, the qigong and then especially your adhd people um because they always need to be engaged they've got very fast working minds they're actually very intelligent people uh, and uh, they need to be engaged on all their senses and the qigong engages you on breath on mental focus and on physical movement. So you are really engaged in that practice and you feel so good afterwards and you only have to do it for 15, 20 minutes uh, session and that's it. And you can immediately feel that shift uh, and, and take that with you into your day. And if our listeners would like to chat to you a bit further about these techniques, how can they contact you? Okay, so you can definitely contact me at Happy Tree, uh, Happy Tree Light. That's the email address, Happy Tree Light, L-I-G-H-T, all one word, lowercase, at gmail.com. Uh, you can just pop us an email over there. And um, you can also contact us on the WhatsApp line, uh, 079-838-6640. I'll just repeat that again, 79 8386640. That line does operate between Mondays and Thursdays. Thank you so much, Shanely, for speaking to us on this very important uh, topic of mindfulness. I really hope that the work that you do and some of the experiences that you have had in your personal journey can reach more people to really help them and encourage them to live differently. You know, I think there's so much value in building that inner awareness, um, the level of resilience that one develops from just being aware of themselves and some of their own triggers or traumas can be so empowering because it then gives us an opportunity to change how our lives look like. And we see with the levels of, of suicide rate, the levels of people who are depressed, I mean, they're going high. People really need assistance with managing life and, and really understanding um, how to navigate this process of, of life. So thank you very much for talking to me. Ah, oh, wonderful. It's only a pleasure and blessings to you for the beautiful work you're doing. And uh, yes, it's uh, just a beautiful journey and I love assisting people on their journey. Thank you for sharing your time with us today. I truly hope you learned something new, felt something and were inspired to cultivate a more conscious life. I'd love to connect with you, hear your thoughts and stories Please feel free to reach out. Our contact details can be found on monzm.co.za. You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.